0: You and I have a
1: rendezvous with destiny. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. You've just pissed on a dumpster. It's Miller time. He got hit. Look at the finish out. Planets all over. Chris High fly ball into right field. She is done. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You believe in miracles? Yes. The return to glory. We will not be intimidated. We will not back down. Let's go. All
0: right, folks, we're back drink and think with Dak and dave thanks for joining us if you're brand new uh this is the chill hangout spot where we just drink beer we talk about football we talk about any other sport that's basically out there and popular at the time and uh we just make a lot of hot takes have a lot of fun this is sitting around a campfire bottled up thrown onto the uh the world wide web as it were so appreciate you being here uh let's have a good time
1: yeah, we're, we're sucking though, my friend. I I will probably drink more beer tonight doing this episode with you than we had followers last week, which I don't know if that's saying something about my beer consumption or the followers we have, but one's low. I'll let you figure that out. So um, for those who did join us, we're glad you're here. And even if there's two of us that listen and it's me and you editing each week, I enjoy the hell out of it. So Uh, We're going to talk some sports, we're going to drink some beer, and we're going to get after it. So, let's open up with uh, a little beer skis. What are you sipping on tonight? I haven't even started on mine yet, so I better grab it. So, uh,
0: I have three, so it's a, I have three, you know, why not? Um, But, so I've got, now is the time, right, when you're winter lager. (laughs) My bad. Yeah, on the video, Dak just spilled all over himself. Um it, it's, so, it's erupting right now. Um. Anyways, so uh, I've got this. Now is the time for winter beers, right? You got your festive beers that are coming out. It's all about spices and and winter loggers and all that kind of stuff. So I have three different winter loggers that I all that I uh, I like all three of these a lot. Uh, is that a snub two, nose? Oh, oh, Some nose bottle, yeah, or, yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Those are my favorite. So, I've got
0: three of them. The first one is, and I went to it last week. Uh, for those that listened last week, so I went to it last week. Boulevard Brewing Company in Kansas City, fantastic brewery. It's like this own. It's like this own little compound. You could basically zombie yeah. apocalypse. We could all live there. It would be fantastic. Hell yeah. Um, they call the Nutcracker um, The other one, Casey Beer Company So this is another Kansas City one This is the like traditional uh, Only German style brewing company This is a dark Doppelbach lager This thing comes in at like 9% And it is It's the Winterbach Extremely good Very good It's uh, Boulevard The Nutcracker is also like both of these are kind of on par with each other. A lot of like nutmeg and cinnamon in there. Um, not like crazy pumpkin. It's a very beer beer. Like it's not like some crazy like pumpkin beer where all you're tasting is like some pureed pumpkin and it tastes like dog shit. You actually get good beer, but kind of with a spice to it. And the other one, which is a little bit you anyone can find pretty much anywhere probably is Shiner Holiday Cheer. Hell Yeah. Which is a completely different style, Um, so I'm trying to, I'm, you know, I'm trying to embody my uh, inner DAC here. Um, So you've got two that are more on the spicy side. If you don't like that or you don't like the really dark beers, Shiner Holiday Cheer is a way to go because it's brewed with peaches and pecans. So it's lighter. It's got a little bit sweeter taste to it because you got the peaches. It really does taste kind of like a peach, like, like a peach cobbler type thing pretty good uh, beer and always a good one to reach for in the fridge during this time. So I'm a very much type of person where you don't listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. You don't drink Christmas beers until after Thanksgiving. Now the time is to to get it on. So here we are.
1: And then once you start, you full send it. So um, I like the Shiner Christmas seasonal beer. I I always find it interesting how they get all of the spices in such a light beer. Cause you're right. It is super crushable, but then it's like, Holy cow. This is like super condensed almost. And you know, most Christmas beers usually have, like you said, the nutmeg, the cinnamon. Um, and then there's sometimes there's some allspice, spice clove yeah. and ginger clove and ginger kind of rounded out. Sometimes some orange, you know, like you said, some, some other fruits kind of in there, but that's usually your, your traditional makeup to any kind of uh, Christmas beer, Christmas ale or whatever. And yeah, uh, Shiner does a good, that's funny. We picked up a six pack of it today. I don't have it in front of me, but I might later. So, yeah,
0: the uh, um, the definitely I'm left out the allspice. Definitely a, you can taste allspice in the Boulevard version. The Winterbach is not as strong because again, it's a very German style brewing company. They don't add extra stuff. So any, any little bit of stuff that they do, like for these limited releases, it's very small in the spices that they throw in there. So you can definitely taste more spices on the Boulevard side.
1: Um, Well, I am kind of going out of turn here. I'm going to, I guess I'm trying to clear my fridge out from some stuff that's no longer applicable here. I have from Great Raft, it's called Life Itself. This is a salted watermelon Goza it's it's not a christmas beer it is quite the contraire um but this thing well it almost erupted on me i wonder if that's kind of some if the salt is like the actual sodium chloride is causing that kind of reaction to uh get after it when it when it's cracked and then that oxygen gets in there and the co2 gets out so i don't know but it it came after me pretty quick um this is a 4.5 percenter, and this is exactly what you look at or what you would expect when you look at this can and go, oh, 4.5% 4, 4. goes a watermelon. Look at this like frou-frou can, and it's got just a, a good balance. I don't know. Let me ask you this. Do you do you put salt on your watermelon?
0: Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely All right. I not.
1: don't either. That's a big thing. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but that's a huge thing. Like in the South, people dump salt on watermelon and it's kind of that salty sweet balance it doesn't play for me on watermelon i like watermelon that's sweet juicy and watermelon but it does kind of play in the beer it kind of gives you that um that tartiness, that fruitiness that's a little sweet but then balanced with a little bit of uh salty on the on the tail there so this is absolutely like a light crushable beer and i've only got one left, so i just got to get it the hell out of here so
0: well you know You know, you got to respect that, right? Because here at Drink and Think and Drink and Think Nation does not waste beer, right? We don't do tasters, or at least I don't do tasters. Like we just.
1: Except I've seen you do a taster. I have video evidence. We want to do a beer.
0: We want to do a beer. We get a full on. I don't order tasters. If you're saying a taster, then like a flight, yeah, I'd order a flight, but I wouldn't order, like, oh, let me get some of that before you give me a full pour. No, just give me a full pour. I digress. We don't waste beer here at Drink and Think. And I appreciate you following uh, with and leading by example there, not wasting the watermelon goza despite the fact it's not exactly watermelon season. Yep. All right. So I know that you are not a World Cup Going soccer fan. Yep, okay. So I will give you the choice. Would you rather go into? Would you rather go into football? And then transition to soccer later, or will we just straight, go straight in, rip the band-aid off, do a little bit of the World Cup, and then move on?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Hey, I, I am not pro soccer per se, but I am pro America. And so as long as we're getting dubskis against foreign asshats that are inferior to the United States of America, I'll talk about them all day. So enlighten me on America's team.
0: Okay, so America's team is the Cowboys. Just to no, I knew that was so coming, too. <laughs> before we just get in there, America's team is the Cowboys. However, the U.S. men's national team baited out of the group stages, so this is the first I- time. Go ahead.
1: So I'm a co-host of a sports podcast, and I will completely uh, play ignorance card here. I have no idea how this shit works. So okay. for our listeners who also are true-blooded Americans that like football, can you explain how this uh, – group and bracketing and you know who's paying who kind of thing works. Yeah. So
0: uh whenever they do the World Cup, they do a draw for all um I think it's 64 teams that get into the World Cup. And they take do 64 teams and they break them into four team groups. Each team in each group plays each other. So you get three team three games. From that the top two teams from each group move on to the knockout rounds so they from there you go to uh i think it's the round of 32 and the round of 16 you get three points for a win they change the rules now so you get two points for a draw or a tie and then zero points obviously for a loss so the united states finished second in their group uh behind england And then so they will move on and they will face Netherlands on Saturday. So for those of you that don't know that, you know, maybe haven't looked at a map of Europe lately, that would be the Dutch. And they are in Europe and they are a pretty good soccer team. So it will be a tough ask for the U.S. men on Saturday. The big takeaway from all the U.S. games is we have a really talented one really talented guy, Christian Polisic, who plays up front. He plays in uh Germany right now in the Bundesliga, which is like their top league. We've got a couple like decent players, and then everybody else, it's kind of meh. And that has come back to bite us a lot. So we have uh only so we we Bundesliga. the first. Game. Yeah, the Bundesliga. It's a, lot, a lot of fun to say. We tied our first game against Wales. Yes, Wales, the country, not uh the animal. Uh, and then we tied against England and then we beat uh Iran. Iran. So
1: yep. Iran. So there we go. Iran. I'm about Iran to the shitter. Uh
0: I do think there is a funny chant that apparently the US uh fans in Qatar are chanting at the games that they you mean, cutter, ch- yeah, c- cutter, Qatar. It's Qatar. <laughs> i just messing uh, but, with you now. Uh, it the, their chant is it's called soccer because obviously the rest of the world calls it football and it's just
1: asserting our dominance. Speaking of that, have you watched the David Beckham Peyton Manning commercial? I don't think I have. Like the recent one that came out, it was right before we played England. And it was like a three minute commercial and it went back and forth between Beckham and, and Peyton on we call it soccer, they call it football. Dude, you gotta look it up after we we get off the air. Like it is a solid commercial. I loved it. I actually rewinded it and rewound it and uh watched it again because it was Studly. So check that out.
0: That's pretty funny. Um, so big takeaway. This Saturday. Let's cheer on the boys. Hopefully, they make in it in soccer. Uh, in soccer. And uh if the farthest well, uh, we made it to a World Cup semi-final in 1950, and we haven't made it that far ever since. Oh, so we are not very good on the men's side. On the women's side, we are much, right. much better. But we're gonna post a video of my take on the men team versus the women's team so if you didn't take a look at that go to our instagram drink a think double d and uh take a look and give us your thoughts on the men's team versus the women's team i'll give a good lay down there all right we're done you can relax there's a lot more to dig into in the world cup but i won't i won't sideline this podcast instead let's go to some coaching changes that have happened in the world of college football
1: Dude, it is that time the roulette has begun. And we've got some dudes going from pros to college, college to a different college team. We've got dudes on the hot seat that shouldn't be on the hot seat, dudes that should be fired that haven't been fired. It is that time of year. And it's one of my favorite times of year because I, I really like to like psychoanalyze why you hire this guy or why you passed on that guy. And you know as we talked about, and I was pretty adamant that Kiffin was not going to go to Auburn Um, really diving into what makes sense and why do you do the things that you do as a human and then, you know, as someone who coaches football. So,
0: so I'll, I'll pitch it to you then. So looking at obviously the top hires and I'll run through them really quickly. So you got Matt rule coming from the Carolina Panthers where he did absolutely dog shit and then going to Nebraska lane Kiffin stays at old miss, even though there's rumors, he's going to Auburn, Hugh freeze, going from Liberty to Auburn, the old old miss coach and we'll talk about that and then Wisconsin hiring Luke Fickle. From those those you know news reels, which one to you is the most you think is the best hire?
1: Ooh, okay. Um I think Fickle's the best hire. I don't know that if I were Luke fickle that I would have went to Wisconsin, we kind of talked about that uh, several times on the pod as well. I think he's a dude. I think he's a coach. I think his players tend to follow him. I think he's proven, which is a big thing. Um, He's a likable dude. He's a smart dude. Um, And like I said, he's, he's the first non power five to make it to the CFP. He, he, you know, look at his resume. Like I pulled a non-power five to a power five conference. That's a big deal. So I I think that's smart by Wisconsin. Now, if you know Fickle got duped, we'll see. Um, are you inheriting like a true dumpster fire that it doesn't matter if you're you know Lord Saban himself that can turn around that program? Granted, you you know, you're always high on their fan base, they have money, so does the you know, does the trifecta kind of align and they get back on track? We'll see, but I think that's a pretty smart hire.
0: I totally agree. I think that's the best hire out of the group. I do like, and I know that you have a different take on this. I do like Matt Rule going to Nebraska. You know, he was we saw what he did previously. Um, you know, he did well in Baylor, uh, kind of set that that group on the rise that it's taken. Dave Aranda has kind of taken it from there, but um, I do like Matt rule going to Nebraska. I don't necessarily know big. And here's why. I, Oh, I'll say this. I think they can change Nebraska from what its culture has been of a very run heavy, like kind of slug it out offense and make it a little bit more balanced. Um, and I think coming from the NFL, that'll give him a little bit of a plus like, Hey, I know what it takes to go to the next level. Not that he coached well at the next level, but at least he know, like, I know what the scouts look like look for. I know what I would hire people for from the draft. So come to Nebraska and you'll have that chance. I think that's a second. Obviously I like your fickle pick as the the number one hire so far.
1: I don't, I don't hate Matt rule. I don't think he's the dude. Like. You, you got to do like a vibe check, right? Like at the door. Will I follow this dude up a hill in the battle kind of thing? He just doesn't give that to me. That being said, he did a damn fine job when he was at Baylor. So maybe the NFL wasn't his thing. And so he's coming home to schematics that he knows he's better at. And going to Nebraska may be his thing. So we'll see. Um, but back to the college world. I want your take. We've talked a little bit offline on this, so I'm excited. I want your take on Mr. Hugh, Fierce, Hugh Freeze. And before you dive in, though, I will say it's very interesting that Auburn, I think they have, like, some affliction for Arkansas State because now they've had two, at least that I know of, head coaches that have previously coached at Arkansas State. Did, did is, Hugh Freeze coach know. at
0: Arkansas State? He, he
1: did, or? and he, most he people can't... didn't realize that. He coached at Arkansas State before Ole Miss. Interesting. Okay, And obviously, um, Gus coached there as well. Arkansas guy.
0: Here's my thought about Hugh Freeze. So first off, a lot of people go back to, you know, obviously, how did he do at Ole Miss? What's he going to do be like competing in the SEC? And a lot of them think about their one thing that they think about is Ole Miss 10 win season. He wins against Alabama in back to back years. And he even alluded to that in his press conference. Said Nick Saban or whatever, and uh, his wife, you know. But they're a little nervous now. All right, pump the brakes, Hugh. Okay, so what's his overall record in the SEC over five-year tenure at Ole Miss? He's barely batting over five hundred. Goes so 19 and 18. In that time, he only has a winning record in two in the SEC. Two years out of the five. You know, it's it's a little bit of, you know, we remember the good times, maybe don't remember the bad times. and Oh, by the way, Auburn, uh, this is a pretty bad time when Hugh Freeze gets fired for, uh, number one, calling an escort service while he's at work, school-issued phone. Number two, gets a level one violation for paying players um, and unauthorized use of funds. Which results in a two year bowl ban and two game conference suspension by the SEC in 2018 and gets booted out of Ole Miss. So, this to me makes no sense. Number one, the fact that Hugh Freeze could do all of that and they get hired by a Christian university in Liberty is the number one red flag, but I'll leave that at where it is. But number two is, are we like, what are you looking for? Like, what do you expect that you're going to be getting in Hugh Freeze? Maybe it's a the spread them out offense. But honestly, I don't like, why wouldn't you give Cadillac Williams a chance to be the guy? Right. So we've seen so Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. Right. They seen give him a chance popular with the players. Cadillac Williams is the same thing popular with the players has a, a passion for coaching, passion for the team. You can see it on the sidelines. You're not a team that is going to be, uh, you know, that is going to compete straight out of the gates, Auburn. And Hugh Freeze isn't going to change that. So what message are you sending to your team by hiring a guy who the last time he was in the SEC did all the things I just listened, listed out instead of just putting your faith in, hey, let's give Cadillac Williams a chance. He won a couple games as the interim coach. Like, give him a shot. I just, to me, this makes no sense. We're thinking of the best times. This guy is a dirtbag, number one. Number two, he didn't even have a good career within the SEC. I think this is complete Auburn just lighting the torch to their own dumpster here.
1: There's so many takes that you just said in there that I want to comment on, but I've already forgotten half of them. I can be
0: a little long winded at times.
1: Oh no. I mean, I think your points are very astute. Um, Well, let me say this first. We'll never know, but I've always been curious. Did, did Liberty hire Hugh Freeze because it was like, Hey, this is our godly duty to bring him in and, and show him the good Lord. Or is it like, fuck it, we want to win football games? We'll never know. We'll never know. So is he a changed man? I don't know. Uh, He definitely was a dirtbag prior to. We'll see what happens when he gets back in the SEC. Point two, I never understood SEC coaches getting fired, bouncing out to a a lesser conference, non-Power 5, whatever, getting some wins against Bob's Tire Shop, and then getting hired by another SEC school. Dude, you didn't get it done. You had your shot. Like, if you compare the SEC teams, yes, we we really think the SEC is the best conference. But we've said this many times, outside of, like, Alabama, that's a freak show. You're not going to win that many national championships in that few years at any other school. If you compare a lot of the SEC programs, they're very similarly, you know, Almost on par, right? So you're going to leave an old Miss team to come to an Auburn team. Is it like you think you're that much better? Probably not. Old Miss and Auburn, I would compare them pretty equally as far as like perennial programs and how they're going to finish in the SEC. So what changes that? Did he grow that much at Liberty? Or do you have unrealistic expectations? Final point, I completely agree with you on the Cadillac-Williams thing. Um the only smart thing they did was to keep him on as an associate head coach. I thought he was doing great things there. There's a very reasonable chance that Hugh freezes a dumpster fire at Auburn. He gets fired in three, four years, maybe less, right? Why not bank your money, pay Cadillac Williams half the money, if not less, Build your program. See if he's the dude. If not, you're at least headed in the right direction because he was a hell of a lot better than Harson. And then reevaluate and look at the, your trajectory going forward. So that that's kind of my it, rebuttal to your takes, and I, I completely agree with you.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe what the uh, the athletic director and team there at Auburn is banking on is the fact that while they couldn't catch Brian Harson's in an affair to fire him last during the summer, they damn sure are probably going to be able to catch Hugh Freeze doing some shit. So if he does get into some trouble, they'll be able to fire him quick. I don't know. But uh, let's do a quick look at the college football playoff and where we sit going into conference championship weekend before the playoff committee goes. Uh,
1: it seems pretty clear. Yeah, we locked in one through four. We called that. You are high on USC. They got the number. Five through eight, are, or maybe even like five through ten, are we a little surprised at what's going on there? One thing we don't have to worry about is Clemson is dead. USC uh, – Clemson is done. They're out of the way. USC knocks out two top tens in a row. So that's that picture is very clear. ACC's nowhere to be found. Um, my question to you is, are you surprised – Part one, are you surprised that OSU only dropped to
0: five? Uh, I am a little bit, but I'm also not. And the reason is, is because when you look at how everything is shaken out, uh, you've got a fall uh, Tennessee, obviously, that's kind of reeling a little bit. You've got an Alabama that's been sticking around. Penn State that has climbed, but they're 11 and one. I don't think they were going to just for one loss at home, which was a bad loss where they got dominated by Michigan and they honestly had the game by the short hairs and should have won it in the first half. But um,
1: different football team in the second half. That was crazy,
0: dude. How bad is your secondary? Like you, you brought in a D.C. To stop the run because of how dominant Michigan was in the last game, and then this this year, when you're not even facing Blake Corum, you give up like every big play after big play in the passing game when Michigan doesn't even throw the ball that much. It is just, I think, number one, it's embarrassing for Ohio State and embarrassing for for your defense to have that happen two years in a row. Number two, I think Michigan is a, they showed a lot of weaknesses there in that game and Ole Miss or excuse me, Ohio state couldn't take advantage. That's not going to be the case in the college football playoff. So I don't think I don't really rate Michigan that highly unless Blake Corum is playing.
1: Okay. Reasonable part two here. Are you surprised at six and seven that both 10 and 2 Alabama is above Tennessee who Tennessee beat.
0: Yeah, this is another thing. It's just it's just stupid to me. It, and it literally goes down to the fact that you can say that Tennessee's loss with Hooker out is what's hurting them here, right? Because it's more recent. Alabama's losses are against teams that are at least decently good, although the LSU loss is looking worse and worse uh, after A&M kicked LSU in the mouth and knocked him out of college football playoff contention.
1: All right. My take on it is this. I understand that they go. Hendon Hooker is out. Tennessee is not the football team that they were. Heisman candidate quarterback, high explosive offense, got it. Okay. So if that's the case and you are putting them below Alabama because they no longer have that caliber quarterback, why aren't they lower then? Cuz if you're if you're putting them into contention, they are still a great football team. If you're saying that Hendon Hooker was the the deal breaker there and we are dropping you below Alabama because you don't have a quarterback, they should fall lower because and, and I agree without that stud of a quarterback yeah, they're 10-2. and two. They beat a lot of great ranked opponents, but they're not the same football team anymore. They're probably not as good as Penn State. I don't know about Clemson. What about, you know, a Utah or some other teams that are a little lower? And LSU, who dropped to 14. Would LSU beat the dog shit out of them without and Hooker? I would tend to say yes. So I see where they're trying to do that. Where they, yes, we look at strength of schedule. We look at your record. We look at your conference. We look at your active players going forward. I think that's reasonable. You have to rank the team against their next week opponent too. But without Hooker, they're probably not sitting in the top ten.
0: Yeah, it, it's just to me. It's just the committee again. It's there's there's obviously this preference for Alabama, which if you know we can transition now going into, hey, guess what? Looking at a conference championship weekend, the nightmare scenario, folks, is now here. And and honestly, i give it a 50-50 shot if Alabama makes the playoff. This is why. I'm not confident that TCU is going to win their game this week. Going up against Kansas State for the second time TCU has been very shaky. Barely they 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 barely won the first go around. I'm not confident that they're going to be able to go. We know that Coach Corso. Damn it, that man's old, but the old, you know, the old uh old dude might have some tricks up his hat. He says Kansas State's going to win here. I don't necessarily mind that pick. Going up, TCU, playing a team a second time is tough to do. Kansas State can get up, get after it. They got a good defense. They got a good running game. If TCU drops here, I think Alabama leapfrogs Ohio State and gets in just because of their two losses are a hell of a lot better than Ohio State's one loss of getting destroyed at home against Michigan without its best player that
1: Michigan. would be so bananas dude we've never had a two loss team get in so you're going to leapfrog a one loss team that's probably going to be a conference champion Alabama would be a two loss team non-conference champion that would jump into top four that would be absolutely bonkers and I don't it's dis-
0: not let's not forget that USC is not exactly on solid footing either. They basically got a pick them game against Utah. Again, the second time these teams are facing each other, it was a shootout in the first game. The three and four are in absolute jeopardy of losing their conference championships. In which case I, in my opinion, Alabama gets in. I want to hear your thoughts though, on what you think the committee would do.
1: I, I don't necessarily agree. I, I, so I, I see the bias here on the Alabama. I just don't see how you can put a two-loss non-conference champion into the CFP. Now, are you are you basing that scenario on USC losing to Utah?
0: Um, I'm basing that scenario on USC or TCU losing their conference championship game, in which case I think that Okay. Alabama's hey. loss against LSU and Tennessee, both of game which were away, are better, and both of which were very close, went down to the wire, are better than Ohio State's blowout at home by Michigan without their best player.
1: I don't hate that, ten, that Alabama would jump a one-loss Ohio State just because of how bad their one-loss was. And if you look at strength of schedule and who Alabama lost to, the question – the big question to me would be, does a TCU or a U- USC fall out? That would be – that would be, a yeah, like you said, nightmare scenario because now you're looking at on the outside one loss Ohio State non-conference champion or a TCU or USC one loss non-conference champion. So now you've got two one-lossers versus – the Alabama that has two losses. So yeah. I mean USC has I don't know USC you, you,
0: already has a loss. So that that's hurting them here. I think if they lose again, they're definitely out. I think TCU that's the easy is a, answer. I agree. TCU is a good argument though that you could say they could technically lose a conference championship game against a good Kansas State team and still squeak in. I don't know.
1: Do do they value you made it to the conference championship, right? So now you're looking at a Alabama who has two decent losses versus TCU who has, you know, one loss, but made it to their conference championship. I don't know. I, I still feel like they sneak in um, because they've been flawless thus far, but we're not in the room. I have no idea what they value over what they don't.
0: Well, I'll throw this to you. Um Of the conference championship games this weekend, of the big ones, and there's other ones out there, of the big conference championship games this weekend, which one are you looking at other than maybe the SEC that you are most looking forward to and you think has the most kind of riding on it?
1: Well, yeah, I would have said the SEC because LSU wrote their own destiny, but your boys took care of that. They're not getting in. Um, Let's go. Gig them. Gig, gig them.
0: Yes, that's right. Which ironically was the reason that gig them is a saying, was because we played TCU back in like 1899 or something like that. Oh, and they're, that. they're the, the horn frogs. frogs. They're the horn oh. frogs. And at the Midnight Yell practice, the yell leaders, of course, talked about gigging the frogs. And it has stuck since then. Can I say
1: this? Can I say this? I tend to pull for your boys when they're not playing Arkansas. I fucking hate that A&M does the horns down when they're playing other teams. That's like, that's like living rent free in A&M's mind. Like, dude, you're playing LSU do like, like hang a tiger or something like, you know, cut some stuffed animals heads off or something like quit with the horns down shit. It's, it's not applicable. It's not right now. You did your business. You'll get them next year. Whatever.
0: Yeah, i I don't necessarily disagree. However, I will say that the the war hymn, not the fight song, the war hymn, Texas A and M war hymn, is specifically about sawing the horns off of Texas. So it's like and I can get behind that. Our football song is literally about that. So.
1: But it was Most like the- a, it was like an LSU dude like dropped the ball and they're like horns down. And he's like, dude, I'm a fucking tiger. Like, what are you doing? Like, come on.
0: Yeah. Most of the time when you see that, it's I don't know. Those folks are usually like boomer fans. They were like A&M grads back in like 1972. So. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, although. Texas doesn't live rent free in our head because. uh the, any of the games in any sports that we played them recently, we've dominated, including baseball last year. We beat them twice. So,
1: And whatever gets you there. I will answer your question now. I'm not concerned about the ACC championship game. However, I do want to watch it just because of is Clemson ass and is UNC better than we think they are. I think they're both kind of mid-programs this year. I said before, like, I like to see Mac Brown win. I, I kind of have, like, uh, I don't know, I like his personality. He's kind of the the non-quintessential coach out there that somehow sneaked into a national championship, went to, you know, announcing, and he's like, fuck it, I love football, I want to go coach again. And he's done well. So, like, props to him. Can he knock off Dabo? That'd be cool to see. Um, I think the game that has the most – maybe notoriety would be the the Kansas State TCU game because TCU right now somehow has like a really high strength of schedule but I just feel like they haven't played that many great teams so and then like you said they're playing somebody they've already played they're playing a pretty decent Kansas State team they've got a seasoned quarterback so that one's going to be important and then um The other one I want to watch is USC Utah because I think that's just going to be a hell of a game. I think Utah is an actually a a, a good football program. Um, I was kind of maybe sleeping on USC most of the season. I just did not think they were going to get it done. I thought it was too high expectations of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Just first year out of the gate, they're going to get it done. They're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, And, well, holy shit, they've actually had a really good season. So, Can they do it again against Utah, against a good football program? We'll see. So I think that's going to be a hell of a game. And then, you know, don't sleep on Purdue. Don't sleep on Purdue. Michigan has handled business. They've got it done. But somehow Purdue's like, hey, we're not going away. That could be a game as well. So to answer your question, I I guess all of them, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I agree with the Utah-USC game. Utah is – I mean, they – they won this game last year, uh, being the Pac-12 champs. Uh l- love what's going on there in Utah. Good football program. The line here is 67 and a half, which makes sense because USC has absolutely zero defense. Utah, as a reverse of last year, has also not very good what's defense.
1: The, what's the spread?
0: It's a it's almost a pick'em game. It's USC minus one.
1: So this Damn. is the one.
0: You stay away. I mean, this is like like USC is not a lock. TCU, their spread is minus two and a half to TCU. That is definitely not a lock, especially playing a team for the second time. I think that's a a very Adrian, difficult
1: ask. All right. So let's transition to the National Football League. Um, we'll probably keep it a little briefer than we do college. It tends to happen with us. Um, but I do want to start off with saying this. I fucking love McDaniels. He is the coolest coach out there. He is like one of the boys, but rain man smart and interacts well with his players. He's, I mean, he's like the people's coach, but can back his shit up. Right. Like, if you haven't heard his mic'd up stuff, stop. I I don't even care. Stop listening to this podcast and go search on YouTube or freaking Instagram or whatever his mic'd up stuff. Dude, he gives he gives this player shit, he talks shit, but it's funny. His press press conferences are amazing. Like, I'm all for this dude. Um outside of, you know, a Bills game, like I hope they win every game going forward under McDaniel's reign.
0: Yeah, um I think the the recent one I heard was tight end catches a ball, like breaks a tackle and then gets tackled. And then he like comes over and and McDaniels is like, Hey, you know that thing where that guy tried to tackle you, but then you like didn't let him tackle you. And then you kept running like that was awesome.
1: Yeah. it literally
0: says that stuff. And then the tight end's like, yeah, that's a broken tackle coach. He's like, yeah, do more of that. Yeah, it's just like, I, I, think, I saw one. Why don't you love him?
1: I saw one yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Uh, that was. It was like an epic troll where McDaniel's was on Tua and he walked by and he was like, "Man," paraphrasing, of course, "Man," that Al that Alabama football is just. It's not Georgia. Georgia is a far superior football program. Like Georgia is the best. I'm so glad that Tua can't hear me on this mic right now. I was just like, dude, you're so cool for that. Like that is funny as hell. And, 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 you know, players respond to that.
0: Exactly. Think about it when you're in like the heat of the game, right? And for you and me, you know, think about it when you're in like you're in this shit, like life sucks. You're in the trenches. You're getting punched in the mouth type thing you know, for us from the military side, it's raining, like it's shitting on you. It's no fun. You're getting shot at, whatever. Like having that type of humor is, yep. in, is really intoxicating for a, yep. a group. It's like getting a laugh in like the, the worst moments is, is you know, it's super helpful for a team and really pulls them together. I, I totally agree, dude. He's He is perfect. And he's kind of this transition you could almost say we've seen it in college but we haven't really seen it as much in the nfl this transition from the old ways of coaching we you could say maybe tomlin mike tomlin has kind of he was kind of the the predecessor the 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 founder of this yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's been this like players coach mentality versus the bill parcells or whatever type coach that's just a has no personality and just beats people into submission.
1: Yeah, I'm the boss versus I am a part of the team. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. and you're right, that is infectious. I love it, dude. I, I I'll watch it every day. So um two more quick points before we move on to like next week's forecast and both of them are about quarterbacks. Well actually, really, we can probably talk about three different quarterback questions here. So first one, um Green Bay Jordan Love came into the game thought he looked very good have they been grooming grooming him well enough to take over for Aaron I mean he was like 4 for 4 for 90 yards beautiful throw spot on looks studly so is this Aaron's transition you know the, I mean this is kind of how Aaron moved into this you know following far for every for many years watching him took over seamlessly became a good quarterback Is Jordan Love the dude? And are we going to see it sooner than later?
0: I don't know that Jordan Love is the guy, but you have to like the fact that he's had a chance to sit behind someone like Aaron Rodgers. Now, the the obvious difference is Aaron has a level of talent and both mentally and physically that is not normal. Okay. And not to say that Jordan Love is normal by any standpoint. He is a, a top-tier athlete. But we've seen in the games where he started, he's had decision-making issues. Will he get into it? I think he's certainly a decent bridge to the future, but I do not see Jordan Love as like, this is the guy that's going to get the Lombardi trophy back to Green Bay. I don't see that within with Jordan Love. I, I think the the Christian Watkins wide receiver that is a great step for Green Bay as they've struggled on the wide receiver core yeah his production is a great step but I don't necessarily see Jordan love I maybe you can hold out he's a bridge to not make the your draft pick be the guy that has to start but yeah. I, th- I don't think necessarily that he is the guy right now, in my opinion.
1: Okay, next question. Right, we're just going to rapid-fire quarterback questions here. All right. Let's go. Kind of like me some Jeff Saturday, all about it, kind of the underdog story. Um, he kind of got into some shit after the game. Like He had been calling out coaches for questionable decisions in the past. Was his call questionable at the end of the game? Uh, they looked pretty good. And they've got a couple of wins. I think they have started in the right direction. My question is, is old man Matt Ryan the future? Obviously, Saturday brought him back after Sam Ellinger got the start. Does Sam start? Does Matt Ryan start for another year? Or do you tank the rest of the season and go get your quarterback? Because everything else looks like it could be on decent gears going forward to where Colts are a football team in a year.
0: No, I think Sam Ellinger is not the guy, and that's not just because he's from the University of Texas. Uh, But, I mean, this is a journeyman of football. He's been around the world and back again. There's a reason why he's not starting. Matt Ryan, for all his faults, uh, did take an Atlanta Falcons team to the Super Bowl. Um, I think he has the talent. You just got to – people – the Colts just have to be – you know, they have to understand where they are. And I think Jeff Saturday does. However, I do want to have it aside. This issue that we have seen with timeouts and calling timeouts with coaches, yeah. both in the, in the college and NFL, it's like, God, have you guys not played fucking Madden or like NCAA <laughs> before? Like, how are we going through this problem, this systemic problem of like, What, are you going to keep those timeouts so you can trade them for a better draft pick later in the year? Like, what are we doing? That is the bigger issue to me. I think to your question, I I think that you stick with Matt Ryan here and it's you're not going to necessarily get much better, but Ellinger is a step
1: back. Hey, let me have it aside here. Random thought. We kind of quit doing, like, picks picks of the week, you know, many moons ago. We just kind of dove right into football. But I will say this. If I had a pick of the week, you're talking about trading timeouts for something, uh, and it made me think of this game that I recently got on, and that's Retro Bowl. Have you heard of Retro Bowl? I have not. Okay. It's like a 1990 version, like Game Boy, the original OG shit game where it's like football players that are pixelated as hell and uh you play a game and you can upgrade your team you have coins where you can buy new players and it's like a it's like a dynasty style thing like you're offered to go to other teams and you have to you have to like have meetings with your team and that cost you coins etc etc download retro bowl after this it's addicting you'll take 26 shits a day i swear to god i I
0: i'm already intrigued. Uh I'll, I'll definitely take a look at that retro ball if you want to support the Dag Dave podcast. Just let us know. Yep. Um so I'll pitch the last thing to you. So speaking of shits, um there are 12 thrones uh of which to shit upon in the Russell Wilson household. Russell Wilson has less touchdown passes then he has toilets in his house this season. So my question to you is, can Russell survive in Denver? We saw this last week. We saw visible frustration, confrontation on the sidelines. He's so cheesy. He is so ridiculous that it gets to the point that I don't think people believe it or buy it, whether or not he's le- legitimate or or not so question to you is do you think russ can survive right now in denver or eventually are they just going to cut sling load and get rid of him? no no chance so
1: geez geez you went there you sent it i don't know why you hate on my guy all right i get the cheesiness i get the like cringe factor and I think it is a little bit of a try hard without the ass to back it. So I, I, I have even jumped on the train. It's like, dude, just stop, like get out of the media, perform first before you do your ritualistic dances and whatnot. So I, I can understand where you're coming from there. However, the dude has a contract through like 2028 for 245 a dollars. There's no way he's going anywhere from Denver right now. Okay. So, Is he the guy going forward? Probably not. Are we seeing the tail end of Russell Wilson? Yes. Should they have picked him up in the first place? No. Seattle robbed them freaking red handed. I agree. However, the money is back in the player there, and you are stuck for at least a few years. And until he proves something, I mean, he's not going to get traded. They're not, you know, he's sitting on 245. So you're stuck with him. So you better build around him, do something. He's not going anywhere.
0: Tough time, tough time to be a Denver Broncos fan because they were so they were so passionate. At the beginning of the year they were so you know, they had such a positive outlook and now as happens with Dak and Dave both every week or every week, every season those hopes get dashed upon the rocks of reality. Um, however, uh, we will talk about there's two, I think, really good games to watch out for this week in the NFL. Miami at 49ers, Chiefs at Bengals. But what game is are you really looking forward to and what game are you looking at
1: this weekend in the NFL? I mean, I think you just said them both. Um, the the Niners is like where they where are they coming from kind of thing. Like, they keep showing up, but – and they're favored. Are they actually worth the shit? Is Jimmy G, you know, going to prove the world wrong? Uh, we just talked about Miami's the truth. They've got two of the fastest freaking dudes on turf and and a quarterback that's right there with them that's, that's showing out. Obviously, I think the Chiefs-Bengals game is going to be studly. Um, Bengals dropped too early but have since been – and normal form just like they were last year. Uh, and I I don't know this, but I would say that they're probably favored extraordinarily high, if not first, to go on and win the division. Um, Chiefs are still favored here just because they're the freak power that they are with Mahomes and Kelsey and a couple other receivers that are starting to show up. Um, that's, that's easily – the, the game of the week for me in the NFL. And then to, you know, the icing on the cake is Jamar is going to be back. And so both quarterbacks will have some weapons out there. I think it's going to be a dogfight.
0: Yeah. Uh, tip my cap here to the Bengals defense. They've been successful so far this year, and they were really good last year in both getting after the quarterback, coming up with stops. The question is obviously, you're not going against your normal run-of-the-mill NFL offense. Obviously, you're going against Pat Mahomes and the team. So, um, yeah, I I agree. Uh, the 49ers-Miami game intrigues me just because both are in very precarious situations. They're first in their division. However, the Bills are are, are nipping at the heels of Miami, and the 49ers are in the same boat in their division. So both are in a must-win scenario, got to keep up the momentum. So both games, I think, will be very interesting this weekend.
1: I want to go back to the Chiefs real quick. Um, I've been thinking about this. Do the Chiefs trade CEH? Is Pacheco like the next dude up? He looks honestly as good or better than Hilaire. What do you think the future of the running back game at Kansas City looks like?
0: I think it it really it 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 reminds it reminds me very much of the Dallas scenario, right? Of do you keep Zeke? Do you go with Pollard? It's a very similar thing. Pacheco runs with a lot of speed, a lot of passion. The guy is getting up there. He's he's chirping after every run. That,
1: that's that backup mentality, baby.
0: Yeah. Um, Obviously they're a less of a run heavy offense. So it's a little bit different, but I think having two backs isn't that are capable is important in the NFL. So if if you can survive both, I think that's ideal because then you can rotate them. Maybe you get CEH on the first and second down, Pacheco's a third down back, or you know, or the tempo changing back. But if not, if Ceh is like, no, I'm the, I'm the star back, or else, absolutely, you offload that guy on, on you know some unsuspecting team that needs a running back, and uh, you keep Pacheco because I think he's proved himself enough to say, uh, you know, we can roll the dice with this guy.
1: Yeah, you have to have a running game to respect a passing game. And I think Pacheco may be a better running back. And I think, like you said, he runs downhill. He has all fury in his eyes. And, like, he's been getting it done, like, on kickoff returns, when he touches the field. Like, he's he's a hell of a runner. And I think there's a future there, especially if you get him more touches. And so, Kansas City has to keep somewhat of a running game or you're going to shut down those younger wide receivers and that, you know, talented tight end and Juju. Like, I mean – if there's no run game, there's no pass game, period.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes for like quarterback durability becomes a thing too, right? Because right. then you, right. he's having to drop back 30 times a game and against teams like the Bengals, they're going to get after that.
1: All right, dude. I know we may have shorted the NFL, but uh, we've got a few takes out there. So head over to our Instagram where we offload a bunch of random shit, and usually it's funny. At least we laugh at it. But before we go, the obligatory safety brief, so I will shoot it over to you. Tell us how we can better ourselves going into next week.
0: We've talked about it here before. Uh, Both Dak and I have served over a decade in the military, and it's amazing how much just being a normal person matters to other people like look at russell wilson you know trying to be something that maybe he isn't and no one fucking buys it
1: to to interrupt here that's the whole reason we started this podcast dude just like two normal dudes we're not the best sports analysts out there but we like beer and we like sports and we talk about it so yeah just normal dude shit man all right sorry go ahead
0: yeah perfect so mike mcdaniels just a normal dude, like approach people, whether it's you and your co-workers, you and your friends, you and your boss, like approach people like a normal person. And you'll be amazed how much that that changes the dynamic in that relationship. You know, you being the boss and going down to your lowest worker and saying, you know what? I know some stuff, but I don't know how that one machine works. Tell me how that thing works. You will be amazed at how much people will want to absolutely, you know, ride through hell in a fuel tanker for someone that treats them like that. Mike McDaniels is a great example uh, of a guy that's just a normal dude and what seems to be building a very positive culture in Miami. Be like that. Be the normal person. Don't try to be something you're not. Go out there, own what you are, and
1: go fucking win. Take the B for the week. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Hell oh, yeah. Kindness is free, dude. That's like one of my taglines. Kindness is free. Take that with you. Alright, bro. Go. Holler.
0: Yeah.